You are listening to the iFanboy Pick League Podcast, episode 360, brought to you by iFanboy listeners like you. Victory League Podcast, episode 360. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Ron Richards. Hello. And Josh Flanagan. I'm Anderson Cooper. Sorry. <laughs> and the three of us get together rarely anymore to talk about comics. And uh... <laughs> Occasionally, I think is fair. <laughs> well, it's the end of the year. We're gonna be a lot of, there's going to be a lot of subbing as, as the holiday season starts. You know, I just thought I'd warn people ahead of time. Yeah, that's why. Uh, we're iFanboy.com. We like comics. We read comics. Every week we read a bunch of comics. Josh had a lot this week to read. He picked the best one. He writes about the website. We talk about the podcast, along with other books and topics of interest. And before we get to the show, we like to remind you all that it's a review show, so there will be spoilers. So if you haven't read your books, uh, come back later or pause the show and come back later. Do whatever you have to do to keep from being spoiled because it's very important you not be. It's the most important. Josh, you had a lot of books this week and you had the pick of the week. So here's this weird thing that happened. I... Uh, Tuesday night, uh, felt a blow about the back of the head. I wake up on Thursday, uh, dig my way out of this box that I had been put in, and somebody had used my account to write a pick of the week uh, review for a Deadpool book. Wow. How long did you prepare this bit? It just ate just now. Oh, okay. <laughs> that, was, that was full on. I think it would have been a lot better if I'd had time to write it ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> I was pretty happy with it. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so so Deadpool number one was pick of the week. Well, this is our second Marvel Now number one. Marvel Now is uh, doing their slow rollout mm-hmm. of books, unlike the DC one. People wonder why we're not doing the, doing a a uh, new DC two type rundown of these books is because there's like one a week. Well, no, well, there's more. Well, I mean, and and personally, me like at least these number at least these first wave of number ones as a Marvel guy, I'm going to try them all. So I plan on talking about them all. Whether or not we're going to do the whole thing like we did where each week of the DC or probably not because it is a slow roll. But, I mean, this week was just Deadpool and Iron Man, and we're talking about them. So Yeah, even I read them both. Yeah. The thing is I had stopped reading a lot of Marvel books, so what the hell? You know, like they, they'd gotten boring to me. Um, so what we've got here uh, is a, here's, a, here's a side note, an anecdote. Uh, a person I know who works for one of the comic companies saw that I had done that and said, no fucking way. And I was like, Exactly. There's no Daniel way that made it a little easier to try it. <laughs> and wow, Deadpool just brings out the zingers, doesn't yeah. it? <laughs> so why, not... so so how did so how did this happen, Josh? All, all right, so uh, basically, this comes down to creative team. Uh, you have uh, writing the book. You have Jerry Duggan and Brian Posehn. I'm a, a big fan of Brian Posehn as a, as a comedian, and I will tell you, I, I think I've said this before. Like he's OG. I've seen him at every comic convention I ever went to on the West Coast. Like dude loves comics. Um, and, you know, I've watched comedians of comedy. You see the things where, like, they go to the shop all the time. Like, he, he's into this. Um, Jerry Duggan, I think, is a really funny guy. Just, just reading him on Twitter, he's a really funny guy. Um, and, and he's done other books. You know, Infinite Horizon was, was, a, really, was a great book. It wasn't even like, a, like, oh, he can do funny books. It just good comics. Uh, and then finally, you've got Tony Moore on art. And I love Tony Moore on art. And this also 
like if you're if you're going to get me to read a Deadpool book, that's that's a really good way to do it. Um, I'd gotten, I, I you know, I think about it like Deadpool was always a really easy joke to like. Oh, this is the stupid thing in comics, but um, I don't really have anything against him. I was never around when it came out. It was never a thing. I just was never interested in in who was doing it. Um, when I was reading Uncanny X Force, you know, he was peppered in there a little bit with Remender, uh, and I, I, you know, I was like, oh, he's, he's funny there. You know, there's, there's, you know, there's. I think there's such a thing as too much. I've said that before, and I, st- I still believe it. But um, I was like, I'll try this book. And then when I heard the premise of the issue, which was that uh, Deadpool is basically going to fight uh, the resurrected ghosts slash zombie presidents of the United States, I was all in. <laughs> that's really kind of a no-brainer for me because when Josh reads a book, Josh will most likely be reading a book about a dead U.S. president. Let's, let's, let's put a pin in that right now and stop the, uh, third, the uh, third person talking. Oh, that's, that, that's oh my a God. Road to go down. That was, wow, the book is rubbing off on me. I didn't even know about it. Um, so it starts off, and, and, and what I really liked about the setup of this book is that there was no time spent on it at all. And it may have been something that I, I didn't know from the past. It doesn't really matter. There's a scraggly shield agent, and he sacrifices a goat, says an incantation, and then the presidents are back, and they're the threat. Doesn't matter I like that why. too. It just drops you in the middle of the yep. story. Doesn't yeah. matter why. Doesn't matter. You know, I don't need to explain who it is or what's going on. Even if somebody knows, I don't care. Uh, and and that that part I thought made it really fun. And then and then before you know it, you've got <laughs> you've got Captain America fighting uh, Harry S. Truman, and he decapitates him with his shield, leading to a funny headline uh, on the bugle. And uh, basically, uh, Shield. This gets uh, outsourced to somebody lower in the Shield hierarchy. And they hire Deadpool to kill the presidents because uh, he fought Franklin Delano Roosevelt on the street um, <laughs> for like five or six pages. It was really – it was quite a fight. Roosevelt really, really held his own uh, against Deadpool. And, um, you know, it was one of those things where they, they didn't just put the presidents in and go with it. And, and they, they, you know, they kind of knew what they were talking about with them, which made it kind of fun. And there was little history jokes and uh, – <laughs> Deadpool shows up at Liberty Hall in Philadelphia, and then like all—not all of them, but a bunch of the dead presidents are there. And you know, there's your one in the front with a beer helmet on. That's LBJ. LBJ, because you see on his shirt or on his hat, it said LBJ. Oh, I see. What I thought, what I thought that that so the the whole—I mean, the thing about this is that. It's it's the premise and it's the joke and and like that that's what that's what really made it it's the, for me at least the dead president stuff um, you know they, they they took the same tack that Remender did with um, with Uncanny X Force and there's none of the Deadpool multiple personality stuff that we're used to and uh, that we've seen other people do you know where, you know where, where it's all kind of in Deadpool's head it was more just kind of the the yucks that happened around him um, I will admit that I thought that there were it just seemed like every other word balloon was a joke whether it was Deadpool or somebody else. Else. Like there were a isn't lot. That, isn't that the spirit of Deadpool, though? Yeah, no, it is. It is, but it just—it's just for me personally. It got to be a lot. Um, not not in a bad way, but it was just like wow, just one you know kind of punchline after another after another. But when I got to the double page spread in Liberty Hall and saw and and saw all the dead and picking out who the dead presidents were and like Jimmy Carter's, he's like, but I'm still alive. <laughs> <laughs> like that that gave me a laugh out loud, and I was like, all right, cool, I'm cool with this. So. I, I I think there's two draws to this to this. To this uh, issue, one is Tony Moore's art, which I guess we'll talk in more yes. depth in a second. The other is is uh, the setup, and I think I was talking to Josh after he picked it that like I'm in for this arc, yeah, and yeah. and it, and it, it rode the razor's edge of being just a little too much, which Ron just alluded to. So I don't, I don't, I I love this issue, but I, I wouldn't say it's, I'm now a Deadpool fan. I just think I like this story and I love the art, and I don't, I don't, a, I don't see Tony Moore sticking on it on a regular basis because he's never done it in his career, right? And and B, that you know, I like this, the president aspect of it. After that, 
I, I, I don't really see myself staying on. But for now, the arc is really fun. Uh, well, you know, I honestly, I feel exactly the same way. Like, I really enjoyed this issue. Does this mean I'm now a big Deadpool fan that I have T-shirts and shit? No. Does it mean that I'll, you know, give it the benefit of the doubt going forward? Sure. Uh, you know, and, and really, you know, Tony Moore is, is kind of the big draw here. He's the thing that sort of puts, puts you over the top. Um, and that two-page spread is, is sort of part of the reason. But also, one of the things that's really cool is that um, it feels like he was just made to draw this. Like his his style is is it's just a bit goofy. Yeah, it's just a bit silly, and also, but he's really good with like the likenesses, with the caricatures of the presidents. Like FDR looks like FDR, so does Truman. You know, you can pick out a lot of those presidents that he did in that double page spread by by what they look like, not just the context clues. Um, and I thought that was really fun. Uh, I don't know, just like if you look at like the little the little panels of like Deadpool running towards Independence Hall. Like and his feet are both off the ground and he's running in that sort of cartoony way. Like it just feels right, it, you know. And and he can do the thing where Deadpool sets up from his from his bed and and his butts, you know, hanging out from behind his hospital gown. And, and there's not a lot of other like this seems like sort of perfect for him. And I've all and I I love his art style. I always have. I have since since Battle Pope. Um, and one of the things you you pointed out is that he doesn't stick around on stuff for very long. I don't think uh, it's it's sort of a surprise that he's not really a, a monthly artist speed kind of guy. So whatever I can get, I kind of do. I I almost buy everything the guy draws, um, and I, I have for a really long. His Captain America is great looking, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah. And and you know, I just this was this will be a fun arc, I think. Well, well, from, uh, what, from what from what the folks that are our contacts inside Marvel told us is that he's around longer than he was on Venom mm-hmm. when Venom started. Hey, so, and, which was and, what? Which was three three issues. well hey you know like you know when they did that then they had tom fowler filling in tom fowler would be great on this book yeah you know in in the same sort of way like they would be a great sort of trade-off uh you know sort of team if that's what they were doing and if they can keep an artist that fits in and it is sort of on par with tony moore uh without being exactly the same thing uh you know it it could be fun and the, the other thing is like these guys are 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 new at this uh, book this character they've done like one shots they've done mini series they've done things like that but you know there's a really good chance it could get a lot better yeah. uh and and from talking to them uh, uh both on sort of the marvel press call and we'll have a we'll have a video interview coming up this week with jerry duggan um you know they're having a lot of fun with it and i, I think that the more doors they start opening the more things they start thinking about the 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 more fun this could be, um, and and for me, like I don't read a lot of books like this. I you know if I was like, oh, it's 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 a different fun thing, um, and it, you know if, if that's the kind of thing that they're going to do with Marvel now, I'll I'll give them a shot. You know, the, the, I'll give them the, the benefit of the doubt, and, and maybe I'll read some good issues in there. And so, you know, this one was just I, I had a lot of fun with it, and I, I liked the novelty of reading a thing that I thought I didn't like and enjoying it. Yeah. I don't I don't want to turn into a bashing Deadpool scenario because I did enjoy the book, but almost to me everything that wasn't Deadpool was the reason why I enjoyed the book. Mm-hmm. Like you could have, you could have taken the main character out, and it wouldn't have made a difference. Almost it was the situation, it was the art. Yeah. You know, like I, I can't even I honestly can't even think of anything Deadpool specific about this issue that I like so much as the Captain America Truman fight and the, and the presidents being zombies. Yeah, the, I mean there was some some wackiness with him working with Shield and that whole kind of premise, and you know, I mean, and it's a fine line to draw because it's like you know this is a character that has collectively turned the three of us off for years. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, and, the, and the thing is, he has a huge, a big, huge following, which I totally respect and I totally understand and I get. And so, you know, so like it, so for me, it was like, okay, well, how do you get people like us who have been reading it to try it? And then are they able to get the longtime Deadpool fans, you know, it, you know on board and into it? Um, this is and this is a great start, you know, and I, I think that it definitely was um, a, a, a fun and different way to kick off the whole Marvel Now stuff, you know. After Uncanny Avengers, you know, for, this was the next book I read out of the gate, and it, it totally was a surprise. So, yeah, I'm curious to see what uh, the longtime Deadpool fans think of this book. Yeah. <laughs> well, no it's idea. a question of how much. How much do you think that the multiple personalities are are a huge part? The fourth of it? wall breaking. Yeah, all the fourth, that stuff. yeah, exactly, exactly. And the thing I was really glad for not having that. Well, I don't. And that's the thing. Talk. I'm glad they didn't because it's almost like it's been done. So don't try to do someone else's stick. Stick. You know what I mean? Like they kept it, they kept it really simple, and I think that that was the key to to for me to be able to enjoy it. Yep, agreed. So. Um, so the other Marvel Now book that came out this week was uh, Iron Man number one uh, from Kieran Gillen and from Greg Land, um, which features a new Iron Man costume design with, with the black and yellow kind of costume uh, ar- armor. Um, the bee look. The bee look. Yeah, bees. 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 Um, I, I watched that scene with my two-year-old son, and he laughed his ass off. So yeah, and this is the same. This is the same problem I had on Uncanny X-Men. Which was that Kieran Gillen can write a great story. This is a good Iron Man story. It hit all the notes I wanted Iron Man. But except for the armor scenes, every scene with a person of Greg Land, I just want to go away. It's I I I've, I made a vow to not ever consciously buy a Greg Land book yeah. again, and I, I did it accidentally that one time, if you recall, last year with that Uncanny X Men book. But Marvel's not a press re, press review copy, so I read this because I wasn't going to buy it. Um, and exactly, I, I thought as soon as the people showed up, it was awful. Yeah, armor's I, great. He can draw armor, that's fine, because he's actually drawing it. But the people just – and what I don't get is that I thought the whole point – we interviewed a bunch of people at, at, um, at uh, New York Comic Con. They're all talk, all the creators are talking about Marvel Now. And the whole premise of Marvel Now is not, you know, you're going to mix up creative teams. You're not going to work with people you've worked with for, before and all that sort of stuff. And yet Gillen and Lan stay together and just move from Uncanny X-Men to Iron Man. And it's like I kind of – I feel bad for Kieran because he's getting the short end of the stick because Lan just brings this book down so much. I, I've i heard you guys I, I wasn't in the X-Men books obviously and I've heard you guys talk about it and I went into this and I thought well maybe it's not that bad no it was I really didn't like the way it looked yeah that's, and that's the biggest problem I, everyone is stiff and lifeless and soulless it was the faces the faces yeah, of the girls the especially bothered me I was everybody's, like, oh, this- everybody's mugging for the camera and smiling and like it's and just, yeah, it's just bizarre. And the thing is, story wise, like knowing what we know about the next Iron Man movie and stuff like that, you know, like it's all there. It's obvious what they're doing. It's extremists. It's you know, it's it's they're bringing back AIM. It's all this sort of stuff that's going to tie in great when the movie comes out, which is what they have to do. But um, it just land just hurts it. So and don't they see that? That's what I don't understand. No, they don't because the sales are up. We know that. Yeah. We've talked to the people at Marvel about uh, it. I will also. I did not like. I don't. I don't. I know they have to change it. I don't like the color of the new suit I don't know what the point of it is it doesn't look good and I also didn't like the coloring in the book yeah. I didn't like the way it looked when he was like flying over the city and like it was the sunset going down and it's just it's, it's a style of, of art I don't like all around pretty much but I will say uh, I was interested in the story I, yeah. I was uh, I, I liked it I never read Extremis I actually want to it's one of those ones that I tend to like reading Warren Ellis later I don't know why that is but I'll go back and read it. Warren Ellis stories a few years later I'm like these are great <laughs> Just, yeah, no, I, I agree. The story was fun, and it makes it sad that that I won't be continuing on it. But it's just, it, you know, he he moves units. People want people like porny faces. They do. 
It, the, it was the blonde girl, especially that got me. Yeah. I was like, this, well, also, looks, also this Tony. Looks, it was Tony. Well, Tony. Yeah. yeah. No, I didn't like. Yeah, him too. But like, she just looked exactly like that face that everybody kept showing of Sue Storm from years ago that everyone was complaining about. And I was like, oh, the same model. Yeah. Or the same picture. Yeah. I don't even. I. I have. I have no problem with how he draws it or what. I just don't like the product, basically. So. Well, but that's related. The reason yeah. why the product oh, is because he's, he's tracing porn pictures. Oh, it's just Awful. painful, painful. So, but I tried it. I, I gave it a shot. I'm not going to stick with it. Yep, me too. Yep. Mm. So, all right. So that's Marvel now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> One for two. Yep. So, <laughs> I really loved Stumptown number three. Me too. And- I'm really loving this arc. I like this arc better than the last one, and the last one won an, an Eisner. Yeah. And I loved the last one. Me too. Yep. Um, I, I don't know if I have much more to say about it, but I, I love that I, I don't know what's happening or what's going to happen or what anybody's motivations are. Not because it's done badly, but because it's done well. Yep. I just I, I like that, that Dex is not uh, willing to let go. Like she's just stupid enough and smart enough that she's not willing to let go and get out of the like the line of fire of everything that's going to happen. Uh, this this famous guitar player hires her to to find her guitar and and something ain't right about it. So she's just sticking her neck and her nose into everything, you know, just like a like a like a de- private like a de- PI does yeah. like a PI who's but who's too smart for their own good. Like she like you know that she's being self destructive in a way. She doesn't have to deal with any of the problems that this is going to cause. And uh, I I really like her as a character, and I know that she's sort of. They, you know, there's like a Rockford file thing going on here, but she seems like a really uh, original character to me, and like I, I, I like her, and I feel like uh, I want to spend more time with these people, and and at the end of it, I was like, I, I don't know exactly how all these pieces add up, and I'm I'm really fascinated. It's a great mystery, but based off this sort of mundane thing you know we're so used to reading you know stories and comics about these huge world-ending threats and this is just like a small thing you know it's big in the lives of these people but uh you know it's it's i think the crime is way more compelling this time than the last time and it's a simple theft that's revealed some drug smuggling but i think as when i look back at the first stump town it it was less about for me the the crime which i couldn't even really recount to you there's some somebody went, went missing i don't remember why yeah yeah but um this is it's a straightforward theft story. That becomes more, and I like that aspect of yeah, it. And I don't know if it's because it has like music as a part of it. And I like music <laughs> and all that sort of thing, you know. But it's it's something about it is 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 just resonating with me. I the one thing is that I don't think the I don't think the art is as strong as the first arc for some no, reason. No, it's not. It, I, but it's and, coming out on time. So it's coming out on time, so that's fine. I mean, like it's not bad. I really like Matthew Southworth. I think the first one was was a little more crafted. Well, this one's a little more get it out. I think the, I think the coloring is also the coloring is a different color. Lee Lowridge did the last one, so yeah, but it's not so much the coloring. You can tell that the the, the way it's drawn is different. Yeah, but um, but uh, yeah. No, have no. you guys been reading the the essays in the back that Ruck has been writing? Y- yes, I didn't read this one, but I have been reading on the series. They're really good. Yeah. They're yeah. all about his take on the detective uh, genre, and it's great. They're he, he, I love I love Rucka talking about writing and stories, and he does he's doing that in the back of these books. Yeah, yeah. agreed. Um, yeah. Just just excellent. Uh, really, you need to go out and read it. Uh, somehow. So we've been saying that Ben Templesmith has never done work for Marvel DC before, right? That was correct. We were, we up, were up until we've said that we've said it before. I just want to make sure we weren't lying. Yeah, no, no, um, we're correct. Yeah, he's never. He's one of the few fairly big name creators who ne- who made it doing independent stuff, never working for Marvel or DC. Correct. Until Legends of the Dark Knight, the uh, DC digital series, which I have to say, between this and the Batman Beyond books, which are there are three of them, and Smallville. Uh, DC's got a pretty strong digital digital first uh, yeah. 
market going. They've got really strong people on these books. And we have no um, idea if it's working out for them. Yeah. None. Yeah. But the, uh, the, uh, the talent on them and the story-wise, they're really good. Um, this was issue two, which is the second. Basically, they're collecting the digital, the digital shorts into issue form. And I guess it's three digital issues per paper issue. And this is the B. Claymore, Ben Tumblesmith story. And they're basically just one-shot tales. And Ben Tumblesmith draws Batman and Gotham and in the Joker and Killer Croc like you would expect he would. It's really fucking terrifying. And, uh, you know, it's actually a really interesting story from B. Claymore. I don't love his dialogue so much, but I've always liked his stories, if that makes sense. I think he plots really well. I, just yeah, I understand. I don't, I don't respond to his dialogue as much, but the idea of this story is that to fuck with the Killer Croc, the Joker is, is uh, working with the Mad Hatter to grab citizens tricked him into thinking they're Batman and he sends them off to fight the Killer Croc uh, who just wants to be left alone in the sewers and like, the Joker dressed like Commissioner Gordon sending Batman out on a mission and it's all very you know, weird and psychological and funny and and sad and it was just really a really strong story and the art fits perfectly. I mean, if there's any, pla- any place in the big two that Ben Tumpsworth just should draw, it's Gotham City. Everything is sort of dark and dank and it got that weird sort of glow about it that he had, he's added in since, uh, since uh, Fell. Yeah. Can I just the, this next book? I don't I don't read it. I don't know anything about it, but I know that when I see it, I always want to pronounce it AVX consequences. I mean, that's that's accurate. Yeah, I think yeah. AVX um, consequences. We haven't talked about the series up till now, but I have been reading it. This was the post AVX kind of epilogue miniseries that was biweekly, um, and it was written by Kieran Gillen, and it mainly dealt with what happens with Cyclops. Um, and the consequences. Exactly. Um, and basically, they, you know, he's, he's captured. They don't know what to do with him. And so they throw him in a privately owned prison that has a separate mutant ward because now that mutants are, have reemerged, they're going to need to be, you know, they're going to be, they're going to need to build prisons to, to hold mutants and they have inhibitor collars and all that sort of thing. Mutants and, are job creators. Yeah, exactly. And so, and then of course, you know, Cyclops is pissed that, you know, of course that, you know, this company's profiting off of mutants and that's not right and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, there's another, there's another, one of the prisoners that was already in the prison emerges as a mutant. So he gets thrown in the ward and in very Oz style, um, they get, you know, put with gen pop and then the shivs and the kid gets killed and Cyclops gets pissed. Um, and throughout all this Cyclops was very resolute to, be a prisoner to take responsibility to take his um take his punishment you know take responsibility for what he did there's several basically this was five issues of cyclops in prison someone visiting cyclops in prison them talking and then cyclops in prison someone visiting cyclops in prison and them talking it was whether it was wolverine several times uh iron man you know everybody kind of thing but then everything has consequences yeah exactly and uh, and that that is the point of it because ultimately this other this kid this this mutant who was already in prison but i guess he's innocent gets killed and so cyclops um at one and what was really cool at one point cyclops is in the workshop and he's working on something and, and he's talking to the kid about being a mutant and he's hammering away at some metal or something like that and then later that night cyclops in earlier in the series he pulls out a folded up little piece of paper that he had in his sock and there's all metal shavings and he just lays them out on the ground and goes to bed and the next day it wakes up and the metal shavings have changed they say hello scott and, and it's magneto and he and, and i he, thought he was going crazy yeah and he says and, and then the metal sh- and then cyclops wipes scott and just makes say hello and then they reform and it says break you free and cyclops says no and Magneto says, understood. And he's saying that he's just going to, you know, that basically that he could be free at any point that he wants to, but, you know, but uh, he's going to take his punishment. Then this kid dies, and Cyclops then changes the metal shavings to say, now. 
and Magneto and Magic and Danger break into the prison and break Cyclops free. And now, what was it, a month from AVX? Cyclops is yeah. out and about, and that's going to lead right into all the other X Men stuff. So it, it happened Uncanny much. Su- it yeah. happened much sooner than I thought it would. Like that's basically what I'm. Long story short, is that. Cool. So when um, people read Uncanny X Men number one and ask, "How did Cyclops get out of prison?" They it should was read. In, it was in. Consequences. It was in consequences. Yes, and and for all in all, Gillen did a great job writing it. The only problem was they gave him a different artist with every issue, and it just lacked any consistency. So consequences. Um, was that the final issue? I guess yeah, it this was is the final issue. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, so Cyclops is back out, and he's with Magneto and Magic and Danger, and that is the. the he's officially evil, Ron. Yep. Your, all your dreams are realized. Yep. Well, no. What's interesting is that the way they did, the way they did position it is that it really doesn't. Basically, he um, when Cyclops bails from the prison, he leaves a note for Wolverine, and basically saying that you know all the all those years that we were on the same team, I did the right thing, and you did what you had to. Now you have the school and you're protecting the kids and you're training them and that's great and now I'll do uh, and I'll ta- I'll do what has to be done now, which was a really interesting flip flopping of positions and 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 justification for his path. But I mean it, it it is interesting. I mean it does work. It works in the X Men mythos is that they Wolverine was always the rogue who would kill when he had to or whatever. But now he's you know got responsibility and protecting the kids and and now Cyclops is going to be the best at what he does. So you feel better now. No, I don't feel better. I'm, I'm glad that he's not in prison. They got rid of that godforsaken goggle helmet bullshit. But oh yeah, because he's because he's gonna get a better outfit. Yeah, yeah, because the X yeah, the X headpiece is so much better. The 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 the, the chocolate starfish uh, headpiece. That's great. That's great. <laughs> but whatever, he's out, so that's fine. He's not in prison. So speaking of of how we pronounce things, I'm all, I only pronounce this next title as Arnold Schwarzenegger. So the devil end of days. I don't know why, but that's how I see it because of end of days. What a great movie. Anyway, sorry. I really like uh, this too. End of days number two. <laughs> oh, it's it's funny because I feel like I haven't liked anything Bendis has written in well a long time. <laughs> just did the math, and I, I guess he wrote this a long time ago, so that makes sense. Um, but this is just hanging out with with uh, Ben Urich as he's trying to figure out the story behind how Matt died uh, in this either fictional or possibly non fictional story. We don't know. And it's great. Well, this is this is another case of you know how we always say James Robinson when he writes anything in Starman universe is like mm-hmm. it clicks. I, yeah. I feel like Bendis back in the Daredevil universe, and even he's co-writing this with David Mack, so who knows how much writing he's actually doing? You but, know, you know, but, but, but you know, clicks. and David Mack, yeah. you know, he had a great little couple of runs writing Daredevil too, way way back. Yeah. Um, and it, it just totally does click, and it's it's the it's all you know it's it's a little bit going home again, but it's definitely all the things that I like about this part of the marvel world and 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 ben urich and i love that that ben urich is uh you know he's just slightly crusty and kind of reticent and you know he doesn't want to go to the funeral and 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 jonah's really interesting in this one uh it was just it was really compelling and i i don't know what's going to happen and because there aren't necessarily any consequences it can do anything it wants to and it's it's like it adds this level of excitement to, to the Marvel characters that we do not get enough. Yeah, and and I, I gotta admit, I know it might not be for everyone, but the Klaus Jansen Sinkevich art, I'm loving. I'm and, I'm I'm a hundred percent down. And the the two flashback panels, there's there's one flashback panel of half a page of 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 Black Widow and Daredevil fighting in the bar, which was mm-hmm. just beautiful, very painted. And then there was a very brief flashback panel of Elektra. Um, when he go at the very end, when he goes to see Electro, which I was like, oh, it just it, it went to a more simple '80s style art. Yep. And I was like, oh, this is just like oh, very Ramita, you know, like very. Oh, it was just it, like they're they're just they're doing a great job. These are two pros who know exactly what they're doing, and it just looks beautiful. 
So. Yeah, it's it's a great looking book, and it yeah. it just totally all works. And uh, yeah. it's it's been a, a really fun miniseries. That in the midst of all this other stuff that's going on, it almost feels like it's been dumped. Yeah. It's like taking a it's like taking a movie, you know, that, that they when they put it on in February. Yep, that's what it oh, feels it's, like. It's totally a yeah. But it's After but it's really good, and maybe maybe it's that the market has moved beyond this kind of story. Like they think this is what oh well, this is what we used to do, but we don't now, which is silly. Uh, also, he's on the cover. Him and uh, what's his name, the artist Ooh. of the next one, uh, Bendis and um, is, that, is that supposed to be Mac? Uh, no, I don't think it's Mac. I think it's Jackson, um, no, it's uh, the artist from Daredevil the whole time. I can't think of his oh, name Malieve? right now. Malieve, the guy who won't oh, ever be interviewed. Is that's that Malieve. Is that supposed to be Malieve? Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, that's Malieve. Yeah. Well, yeah, you'll see that next month. Well, it's at the end of the issue, but yeah. yeah. But, um, Sorry, yeah. it's just like it was just staring at it. Yeah. Like, well, um, that's clearly Bendis. Yeah. No. no. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm enjoying Daredevil one of days. I dig it. Yeah. Um, so Manhattan Projects uh, number seven, and every issue of this book, I love it a little more because it is just completely unpredictable and just batshit crazy. And uh, this issue featured a you know kind of a a uh, off the grid summit between the U.S. Manhattan Projects and the Russian. A red Red Star City or whatever what is it called Red Star City. Um, I'm, lo- I'm Star losing City. track of it Star, a little. Star bit. City and basically it's them saying, "Listen, we're working on stuff. You're working on stuff. Fuck our governments. Let's let's work on stuff together in the name of protecting the planet," which is just like just amazing. And continually, I'm impressed by the subtlety and simplicity of the coloring by Jordi Belair. And by making, you know, sliding between what people are saying versus what people are thinking and who, all, you know, there are various multiple personalities and things like that that are happening and you never once are lost. Um, and just, and Nick, and combined with Nick Patara's uh, cartooning of facial expressions and it just, it's, it's so much story is being, you know, delivered via the panels and it's just, it's just such a great coming together of just the creative team just coming together exactly and executing per- nearly perfectly. Um, I just love it. I just, I, I it just, it never ceases to amuse me. Um, and the orgy in the White House with Truman just cracked me up. If you look, at <laughs> that was my, that was my favorite part. Where's Waldo esque page? Where it's yeah. just like all these different things happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what was most notable is at the very end of it, Hickman gives an update on his various projects, and basically, um, aside from Manhattan projects, you're gonna be waiting for a lot of things. <laughs> basically, just says secret uh, is just never gonna be a monthly book. <laughs> And they're and they're working on it. And, uh, what do you want from me? And they should stuff, do it as an OGN. Yeah, and there's and there's stuff to uh, look forward to in 2014. Feel better now. Finally coming out in March, and then his new book East of West uh, comes out in April with Nick Dragota, and who knows if that will be monthly or not. I think that one has a better chance because Dragota is a bit of a machine. Um, but we'll see. Um, cool. But yeah, you know it's been really fun. Uh, you guys talked about the first issue, when I caught up after that has been Mars Attacks. Oh yeah. And uh, Mars Attacks Five, written by John Layman, art by John McRae. Uh, came out and this is sort of an end of I don't know if it's a series of miniseries end of the first arc um, and it, it I don't know it just nails this really perfect um, tone it's just it just serious enough but just it's slightly there's a little wink like we we know this is very silly um, and I, I, I had a lot of fun with this miniseries it was a, sort of a, a light read but uh, because of the fact that like just the world was getting uh, wrecked over by uh, by the Martians. Uh, it you know it's really fun to look at, uh, and the, the last issue um, was a story about a guy with a flea circus, and all the all the bugs on Earth get really huge, but the, his fleas love him, and so he uses them. And this issue, we find out that there's a 
you know, the, the fleas are instrumental in the defeat of the Martians. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I have a ton of fun with it. Uh, and I have all the way, if you haven't read it, you know, these are, these are definitely worth going back and picking up uh, if this sounds like a thing you might be interested in. Those, guys, those are two guys perfect for that tone. Oh, man. It's, it's the best. Yep. It's really great. So uh, Blackest 2, number four, came out uh, by Howard Chaikin and continues the insanity. And the only reason why I want to bring this up is because I assume you guys aren't reading it. And right. if that's the case, you weren't. You missed out on the the chapter that was uh, that started out this issue. I forget what chapter it's supposed to be. Was it did that uh, fucking? No, you'll never, you'll never, you'll never, you'll never guess uh, where I'm going. I bet there's it. fucking. Um, uh, it's in uh, I don't know the exact chapter number, but um, it takes place in 1962 in New Orleans, and so the two uh, the two kind of uh, girls with uh, with a little surprise between their legs. Who are going through the ages as succubus and taking uh, men for their own uh, for their own uses? They meet up with a little gentleman named Clay Shaw. <gasps> Clay Bertrand. <laughs> uh oh. Was when David was that, David Ferry in it? When I got to that, when they were in a they're in, they're in a bar and she goes, "Clay, darling," and I'm like, "Oh no way, Clay Shaw!" <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what have we here? So was there any David Ferry? Uh, no, not that I could tell. He might be in the background, but it seems to be purely um, purely focused on Clay Shaw. <laughs> Interesting. Um, but uh, it's just, go watch. You go watch JFK, folks. You can't tell me that that's not great. That <laughs> come on, Clay Shaw. <laughs> what does he do? Uh, they have they have sex. <laughs> mm, interesting. But they, um, yeah. It's does he have the hair? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he has the hair. Is he white hair? Oh, yeah. that's cool. oh, he's got the hair. <laughs> so that means that that means that if we were ever to hang out with Jake and we would be we would be able to talk about JFK. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Um, and then, um, and then this this the second chapter in the issue takes place. Fast forwards up to New York City in 1977 at Studio 54 with Andy Warhol and the like and that whole thing. Um, what is the point of this book? It is it is watching the the this force go through the years and go from body to body and um, use sex to. Um, uh, kill and do whatever else they need to get, you know, to get to get to get by, basically. <laughs> um, mm. the, the two girl, the two girls in New Orleans are porn stars, um, and then in, in New York, they're kind of they're they're on the you know the the kind of glam scene, um, the Andy, the whole Andy Warhol disco scene. Um, yeah, I don't I don't really get to understand the point. I feel like we're just watching it go through the years, and I'm fine with that because it had Clay Shaw. So there you go. Interesting. <laughs> Um, I'm assuming I'm the only one who read this, but uh, 47 Ronin from yep. uh, from Dark Horse Comics came out, and uh, I wasn't really sure what it was uh, when I started, and there was a lot of explanation about what it was, but I just chose to just read it on my own. Uh, Mike Richardson, uh, head of Dark Horse, had been wanting to do this for a really long time, and he got um, he got Stan Sakai to do this sort of uh, feudal Japan story with him, and it, it looks kind of like uh, Usagi or Jimbo, but there's no bunnies; they're just people. And I, I I like the tone of it a lot. It's sort of a feudal Japan uh, political. I don't want to say thriller, but political story where you know, like there's there's an insult and the one family has to fight with the other one, and uh, it's pretty straightforward. Uh, it, but it also looks like Usagi Yojimbo in a way, and uh, I really just like the the blend of it, and I I enjoyed it. Um, it wasn't what you know, it was uh, it was just a fun little story. If you like those kind of uh, things and you, and you want a little departure, Sakai is a hell of a cartoonist. So uh, in terms of making it uh, easily readable and and interesting, uh, it was good too. He's one of your favorites. Um, yeah, yeah, this is one of those. It, no, I think it's a. This is number one. So there's a. It's, I think it's a mini series. Um, 
but it's just going to be like one sort of nice little uh, samurai story, basically. Uh, and uh, did you at any point throw it down and ask where the bunnies were? I got I got mad. I got I got real no. I, <laughs> I did. Fuck this. I thought this was a bunny store. No, I was actually surprised. I was going to pick it up anyway, and then I saw that, that Sakai was doing it, and I was like, oh, cool. That's is just this in any, way, any way related to the 47 Ronin movie coming out next year? I'm sure if that's a thing, then yes. I'm, I'm almost positive. With Keanu Reeves? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> is there an American samurai in it? No, but that doesn't matter because mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves can, will play anything. He can play a British man. That he doesn't look like or sound like. There's been four, like, no, three 47 Ronin movies throughout history. Yeah, I think it's a story. I think it's one of those stories that sort of gets retold over and over again. I think that's like it's a thing that's been around for a while. And I think that Richardson yeah, has always the real wanted to. group of samurai in the 18th century yep. Japan. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and I think that, that he'd always wanted to do a comic version of it. And this is his chance to do it. And it's funny for a guy who runs a company like that. And it's also very tall. Uh, he's getting a chance to do sort of one of his dream projects. So it's How fun. is Cannon Reeves in a movie about samurai? He's happy. He's. He's somewhat Filipino. Like he's Asian. He's not Japanese, though. No, he um, definitely isn't. Action Comics 14. We talked about it uh, was it last week or the week before about Action Comics Annual number one mm-hmm. with the backup story. This is a, a similar in that the, uh, the main story was Superman on Mars fighting uh, creatures. Didn't, I wasn't really into that one so much, but I did, I did really enjoy the backup story from, again, Sholy Fish with art by Chris Sprouse. Chris Sprouse art was beautiful. That was Carl's story. Yeah, the, the, the Sprouse art was fantastic. And it was a very sweet story about Superman trying desperately to find images of Krypton. So he goes to the Hayden Planetarium in Planetary in uh, Hayden Planetarium. was on Heroes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, he goes to Hayden Planetary in New York at the same time every uh, is it month or year, whatever it is. To, it's every 380 days or something yeah, like that. To uh, view the spot where Krypton would be. And, and this time he sees it explode because it's, you know, the, the time it takes light to travel to Earth. Uh, it was very, you know, nice and sweet. And Neil deGrasse Tyson was in it, and he had his funny vest on. <laughs> but I, I, I did the, the art was fantastic. And Shirley Fisher should be the new writer of Action Comics. Somebody's gonna have to. Well, it's Andy Diggle. They already announced. Yeah. Uh, Battlefields: The Green Fields Beyond Number One is a return to Garth Ennis, and it's Carlos Escara, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, doing art, doing on on. And it's the last Battlefield for, story. For, is, this, is that what it is? It's the last mm-hmm. one? Well, what was really interesting about this and the thing I didn't expect is that it was going to tie in uh, so much with Tankies. Basically, half of it was retelling what happened in that from the point of view of one of the characters. Um, and yeah, it's, and that's, it, that's why it made me love it less. Yeah, yeah. Just because I read that story. So. Exactly. Um, I mean, it's good for people who, ha- who, haven't, who haven't read the book to understand the character's motivations. But on the other hand, I was just like, well, I've read this. But what was cool about it is that um, Tankies basically took place in France in, in World War II. And this is actually bringing us forward uh, a number of years to, to Korea. And they're these same characters, the completely forgotten war. Um, and uh, I really like that what they did was they took, um, I can't think of his name even, but the, the main character, the Geordie the, the guy uh, with the super accent. Uh, and they, even and they, if he said his name, I would never be able to pronounce it. Yeah, uh, they, they took a guy who was almost a he was he was almost a comic relief character and fully fleshed him out as a character uh, in the in these pages, and it, it just once again hits home that that Garth Ennis is as good or better than anybody doing character uh, in all of comics, uh, and I thought that was really impressive and interesting. Um, it was sort of a neat treatise on the philosophy. Uh, no, I did, I did, I did enjoy this. I don't want to give the impression I didn't. I just didn't enjoy it as much as I have, which in the past means it's usually been the best book I've been reading. Yes, no, I agree uh, with that. This was, 
this was really good and the character work was great and you really felt for the guy and understood the idea of a soldier from World War II coming back to Korea, not being the same guy anymore, realizing the dangers of war, realizing the cost of it, not just physically but, but emotionally and, and having to deal with the brother of a guy who had died in his watch before. It was just – it was a very good story and I'm looking forward to the, to the entire thing. I'm looking forward to reading all of you know, them together because I think those battlefield stories taken together have been fantastic. Yep. Cool. So those are the books that came out this week that we enjoyed and read and 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 criticized and thought about and Clay Shaw. Um, you can go to ifanboy.com slash comics. Hey, Geneva. <laughs> you can go to ifanboy.com slash comics and you can see all the books that came out this week and you can do your pull list. You can come back and rate them and you can make your pick of the week. And the top five picks of the weeks are as follows from the iFanboy community. Uh, coming in at number five, we've got Daredevil End of Days number two with 2.6% of the iFanboy Pick of the Week community selections. Okay, words. Uh, votes. Number, number four, votes. Number four was Manhattan Projects, number seven, with 13.1%. Number three was Deadpool, number one, Josh's Pick of the Week, with 13.4%. Now, these are at time of recording, so these might change by the time you, if you hear it and go check on the site. But very close, narrow margin between Deadpool and Ma- Manhattan Projects. Uh, number two was Sweet Tooth, number 39, <clears throat> at 18.7%. Um, the pentultimate issue. I know, as we're getting to the end of that. Um, and then the number one pick of the week from the iFanboy community was Uncanny X-Force number 33 with 25.7%, which is another great issue from Remender and Phil Noto as we get to the end of that run as well. Um, uh, it was great. It just it, it wasn't – it was one of those things where you just the story moved forward but nothing crazy happened. So, yeah. Ron, was Dean, Dean Andrews in the, in the book? Old uh, Dino? He might have been actually. Let me. Let, you read the next. What one about Guy Bannister? I'm gonna look for other names, and you go. You read. We the can next talk one. about JFK for the rest of the show. We can. Yeah. We can totally do that. Yeah. Um, I'll read Farron Death's review of Detective Comics 14. In the meantime, <clears throat> story of four out of five. The art of four out of five. And at the time of recording, 1.5 percent of the iFan base made Detective Comics 14 their pick of the week. And Farron Death says, Layman and Fabuk prove themselves capable of Poison Ivy's characterization under control. Ivy is an easy character to overdo either by hypersexualizing her or by leaning too heavily on her plant love and making her an eco-psycho. Layman's writing and Fabuk's art are in step with making Pamela Isley a worthy antagonist for Batman. Ivy definitely has some alluring looks, but she's not a leaf-clad, nude-sprouting love cliches. This Ivy has a black cat suit on under her vines and a somewhat sane head in her shoulders, sexy without being bloody, earth-loving without being weepy. Layman smoothly brings Poison Ivy into a plot that already has the Penguin, and he slips in Clayface at the end to promise an interesting issue 15, a storyline worth sticking with. And, I, forgot uh, to, I forgot to get this because I just don't think of buying Detective Comics, but I'm going to. Yeah, it's hard, um, it's I, hard to shake that, right? There's yes. Some... <laughs> it's the I Dark find, Avengers thing. Yeah, yeah no, and I find the art growing on me. Um, I think he's getting better a little bit. Yeah, well, I don't think he's bad. I just think he's, he's very solid, but I, I, find him, I find him enjoying it a little more than I did before. And I, th- I think Layman's telling the story he wants to tell. People were complaining how it wasn't really fitting in with the rest of the DC Batman stuff, but it doesn't really matter. It doesn't need to. No. Um, so. I just quickly looked at Black Kiss, and it's only Clay Shaw. The other, oh. the, other, the other guys are Hal, uh, Al and Hap. So, um, yeah. You dig? No David Ferry. People got to know. People got to know. <laughs> that dog don't hunt. All right. <laughs> All right. Next review, Josh. Uh, Exgen or Christian Hardy says of Shadow Man number one from Valiant, given the story of four to five and the art of four to five, the pick of the week percentage is 1.4%. A lot of people picked different pick of the weeks this week. It was a good week for that. I yeah, like when that. It was. Uh, the summer of Valiant is over, but that doesn't mean that the newly relaunched company has shown any signs that it's slowing down or losing quality. Shadow Man number one from 
Pat, Justice, Justin Jordan and Patrick Zercher is a great reintroduction to one of Valiant's classic characters. After a stunning opening scene drawn by Zercher, uh, Shadow Man introduces us to Jack Boniface, a man searching for answers about his parents and his past, and Mr. Twist, a grotesque demon composed of chattering teeth, entrails, and muscle tissue. Yuck. Uh, Jordan and Zercher do an excellent job of drawing new characters, drawing new readers in by grounding the story in Jack's search for his origins, even while supernatural forces gather around him. While Mr. Twist could have come across just as generic horror, he has a personality as twisted as his namesake, and this gives the book a flair that sets it apart from the other titles. Jack Boniface sounds like he could be in JFK. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I gotta admit, so walking in the store and seeing the black cover, it, 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 had me, it had me reminiscing back to the early 90s, that's for sure. Love the black. Love the black. Was that not, was that not a thing? Just the blood? <laughs> it, it was, there was none more black. So, oh, it was almost on. like a, it was almost like a mirror. It was great. <laughs> I have myself a stack of Valiant books that I am going to one day find time to read uh, because everyone is talking about how good they are. People who I I know personally talking about how good they are. So one day, should I ever find the time, I will read them and maybe I'll write something about an iFanboy about what I thought. Thanksgiving weekend approaches. Yeah, there's no time for that. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's. You know how many dinners I'm going to? <laughs> he's bespoke. He's bespoke like five. now. He's, his time is not his own. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. So go to ifanboy.com slash comics and you can do your pull list and you can come back and write reviews and get one on the show if uh, we f- think it's a good review. I, uh, I got to think about what I'm saying before I'm going to say it. No, uh, no, no. Don't. It works better. <laughs> you can find that all at ifanboy.com slash comics. Um, you yips. To- can't hit first base from second. That's true. On to book of the month. Um, so I had the wonderful uh, task of doing the book of the month this month, and uh, for which I chose A Wrinkle in Time by Hope Larson. Um, for those those of you who might have heard either, you might have heard of either A Wrinkle in Time or Hope Larson through different uh, means, but they've come together in this wonderful graphic novel. Uh, <laughs> uh, for those not aware, A Wrinkle in Time was uh, is a is a fiction prose book that was written 50 years ago uh, in 1962 by Madeline Lee Engel and has become and is uh, really a mainstay classic uh, um, in children's literature. Um, I worked in a children's room in the library in uh, four years of high school, and this book was constantly being checked in and out by you know pretty much that like late elementary, early middle school age age group. And I always just I dismissed this book with like I, I didn't read it at the time where you're supposed to read it. Um, and then I, just, I feel like I did, but I don't remember anything yeah. about it. Well, I, I just dismissed it as like the as one of like the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and like all those kind of books. Where I'm like, ah, eh, whatever. I was I was better than that. Um, but in reading this graphic novel adaptation that Hope Larson has done, it's a really good story. And it actually has a lot of elements of things that we like amongst comics. And I thoroughly, even though this could be positioned as an all ages book, pretty much aimed at that late elementary, early middle school kind of age, it's totally enjoyable for us adults. Um, uh, Hope Larson did a Herculean task of uh, adapting this book into graphic novel form. It's never been illustrated before. It's always just been a book. So there's literally no visual language that's been defined for this book before. Um, uh, The graphic novel comes in at 392 pages. So that's Mm. no, this isn't, you know, any, you know, kind of 60 page kind of quick adaptation. Like this is thorough, like numerous chapters, um, quite long, um, but really, really enjoyable to read. The the story itself focuses on um, a girl who is in her, you know, late elementary school age. And uh, she is uh, and the oldest daughter of amongst four kids in a family. Um, it's her. She's got two twin brothers who they don't really get into in the book. You introduce them in the, in the beginning, but then they go away. 
way. And then she has a um, a younger brother who is probably like around five or so and is very peculiar, peculiar, and everybody thinks he's a little slow. But turns out he's just like he's very, very smart and knows everything, very Layla Miller-esque. Um, and her parents um, are both scientists, they define, and her father is missing. Apparently he's gone on some mission for the government and has been missing for some time. And the opening book, the opening of the book is very angsty around her dealing with the disappearance of her father and like, you know, and she gets in trouble at school and the principal asks if they've heard from her father and she goes, don't judge me and runs away crying. Um, and that's like the first couple of chapters. Um, but then right around chapter three or four, it takes a turn for the weird when the little brother takes the, the girl into the woods and they go to see this old woman who's a recluse who lives in the woods named Mrs. Who's it. And, um, then go on this space spanning adventure where they go to rescue her father who is trapped on another planet. And, (laughs) and by utilizing, um, theories similar to like fourth dimension time travel where, you know, like in the four in, you know, in the fourth dimension distance, but doesn't like very Einsteinian kind of math, like travel, they're traveling faster than light speed there. That's where a wrinkle in time comes from. They kind of, uh, explained her how they're able to travel through space by taking a bit of an apron and saying, okay, we're here on one end and this planet's on the other end. And sure you can go from point A to point B and that will get you there eventually at light speed. But the way we travel, imagine just folding space next to each other and then boom you're there um and it's very simple but it's very imaginative and it's um and the the girl and her brother and another teenage boy who she meets up with go on this adventure and eventually they rescue her father and it was just i mean i read it in one sitting it was just it was completely engrossing um and and really well done uh so uh you know hope larson did a great job of not only um adapting the, the novel into graphic novel format, but giving it a real sense of identity. Um, you know, it took the same approach as Darwin Cook did with the Parker books with the kind of the one color wash. So there's a blue, it's black and white with blue tones. Um, and just, re- you know, um, you know, some of the, the layouts were fairly sim- simple. And I imagine that was done on purpose because this is going to go to a non-comic friendly kind of audience, I imagine. But they were done almost in the same way that Watchmen was very simple and that, you know, an easy to follow grid, um, but very effective in the storytelling, breaks the grid when needs to, goes, you know, the full pages or half page panels when needed to. Um, and just really, really well done. Just just uh, really, really impressed me. So. I really I'm interested wanna... in this because Hope Larson's great. Yeah. Hope Larson's art's fantastic. She's great. Yeah. I, uh, I I really feel like I liked this a lot a long t- like 23 years, you know, like a long time ago. Yeah. And I don't remember a damn thing about it. So I'm hoping it'll be one of those things where I'll read it and I'll be like, oh, all right, okay. But I, I remember like at the, at the time being introduced those, the, the, to those kinds of concepts, like they were just mind-blowing. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and I think that it's a really interesting way to go from prose to – to graphic novel on that. She's been working on it for a long time. Like, yeah. This is her. And thing. you could tell, and, and just like even, and even like, cause when you talk about planets and aliens and stuff like that, none of it is what you would expect. It's very relatable. It's very like one bunch of aliens that they meet are just kind of, they're kind of furry and they, they have, you know, like, and, and, you know, but they're, they're not, it's not stereotypical alien. And like the mm-hmm. planet they go to where her father's captured is modeled after our planet. And there are rows of houses and people. And, and you know, it's like, it's that kind of the way Star Trek used to do that. The classic Star Trek, where like it seemed that all the planets were derivative of what our, our experiences were, um, you know, where it was very familiar, but it was just a little off or a little different, um, which I think is effective when you're dealing with kids at that age because it's 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 you know it's unique and it's imaginative, but it's not that so much of a leap that it's hard to relate to. Um, yeah, it was just it was just great. And I already I finished the book, wrote the review, and they gave it to my nine year old niece, and she's like halfway through it, and she's totally engrossed. That's perfect for that. Yeah, yeah. It was funny because I tried to get her – I gave it to her and she's like, oh, I'm reading something else. Thank you though. 
And I, <laughs> and I was like, no, listen, trust me. Like, you're home from school because the storm is horrific. Ron, war and peace is very engrossing once you get into it. <laughs> and so then, then, like, a couple hours later, she comes back to me and her bookmark's like in the middle of the book. And she's like, you know, Uncle Ronald, this is actually really interesting. And I was like, I know. And so, so she's reading it now. So. She, she, also, she knows not to take all of your recommendations seriously. So she's a smart girl. <laughs> Anyway, so you should well, you filter it. Yeah. Well, you shouldn't. I mean, you made the mistake of trying to get her to read Black Kiss earlier. Yeah, I think that was that the was, wrong yeah, call. That was wrong. That was. That you were like, but it got Clay Shaw, and, 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 but there was and, also other stuff. Anyway, so um, it was published by a real pub- by a, a normal publisher. I forget exactly the name of the publisher. A book publisher. Yeah, by a book publisher. <laughs> um, but uh, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it in bookstores. Um, and I imagine this is one's going to be one of those books that you know around the holidays is great. It's to a good get. holiday yeah, gift. It's yeah. a good holiday <laughs> gift, and I think it's going to win awards and stuff like that. The self-loathing <laughs> comic book industry. I know it was by a real publisher. <laughs> <laughs> one that makes money. You mean one that knows what the hell they're doing. One that has a business model. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> one that isn't like maybe this will break out. <laughs> oh, is, if we can just get one hit, it's going to be the one. <laughs> <laughs> what if I switch this and this? <laughs> New book, <laughs> number one. <laughs> I got it. I got a variant cover. <laughs> what if I take the name of my publisher and I put now on the end of it? <laughs> so it was, oh, it was point one. It was published by uh, Farrar, Strauss, and Garou. Um So those sound like a bunch of foreign names with commas. <laughs> I know, but um, what yeah. are they a division of? Uh, Byr. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah. So Brigham Young. Yeah, kind of Brigham Young Publishers. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, it's great. And, and currently right now it's the number 17 book on comics and graphic novels under Children's on Amazon. So it's number 20 under Classics. So um, it's definitely worth picking up. So uh, Wrinkle in Time by Hope Larson. Good job. Cool. Let's do one email since okay. we're running along. We'll get one in there. And Eric writes in and says, I have a problem. And perhaps others do too. I don't know. I'm a fan of long-running series like Green Lantern, X-Men, The Flash, Hellboy, Hellblazer, etc., but I find it difficult to just jump in when there is such a large history behind the story already. I feel like I won't have the whole story if I don't read these series from the beginning, and I read all the offshoots and tie-ins and whatnot. Some of these series have been running since the Golden Age, and it would be a monumental undertaking and quite costly if I went through traditional routes. I understand that you already, uh, you already published Where Should I Start articles for a lot of series, but what can I do to feel like I'm getting the whole story not missing out on some inside information or if a random character comes in that I'm not familiar with? It's a question I've had for a long time and thought that maybe... So you guys could tackle it. Well, it's clear. I mean, he brings up uh, Green Lantern, X Men, Flash, Hellboy, but you can just stop on Hellblazer. Who cares? That doesn't matter anymore. Not a problem anymore. Not a problem. Problem solved. <sighs> <laughs> so, those who, who might not know, uh, Josh's favorite long running series, not, not only, not only. It would have been better if it was just canceled. Yeah, not only is it ending in issue 300, but then it is moving from the Vertigo banner to the new Ah. 52 banner, and they're launching a new number one called Constantine, uh, written by Robert Venditti with art by who? Renato Geddes. Oh, Renato Geddes. Nice. There you go. Um, And it's going to be Constantine from the whole... um, uh, Justice League Dark. From the Justice League Dark that we're familiar with. Young Constantine. Young Constantine. No longer married. Probably not by. Um... Yep. Josh, I'd like to welcome you into the ranks of comic fans. I, I've never, ever in my life felt like such a fanboy as I did when I heard this. Yep. You went on a tear. You were on a, you went on a I, public meltdown. Uh, you really did. It, it was, was fantastic. It, it, was wor- <laughs> it was worse than my reaction on Canny. It really was. Here, let me answer this guy's question. You can't read everything. Stop doing that. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. You, can't. Gareth, you physically you're, you're, can't. You're never going to read all that it's stuff. It's not made so that you can read everything. If somebody comes up and you don't know who they are, look them up. 
Yeah. Or just keep reading and you'll figure it or out. Infer from the story. Yeah, no, I'm I'm a I'm a firm believer in in not worrying about this shit and just picking up the comic and reading it. And if you if we've talked we've answered this question numerous times over the years, and my answer still stays the same. If you don't know something and you want to know about it, go to the internet, look it up on Wikipedia, ask somebody in the comic book store, ask one of your friends, post it on iFanboy.com, you know, in the discussion. That's how I or you know, or, I, or just keep reading. They're gonna explain it. That's what they do. That's their job. I started reading X Men at Uncanny X Men number two sixty eight. I didn't know who 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 anybody was. Right, and I just pay, and then what I did was I went back and I bought back issues and I bought trades and I pieced together. It took it literally took me years to. It's, it's much easier now. He's got a Wikipedia to yeah, find exactly. That. But it took me years to piece together all the different storylines and characters and stuff like that. And you know what? Those are some of my favorite years of comic book collecting ever, because it was like, it was like an adventure. All right. Anyway, so. but the the point is though, you 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 can't physically do it. You can't read every. Let's pick uh, Green Lantern. He's yeah. probably the oldest character in that list, or The Flash from the '60s. You can't. You can't read five five decades. Has it been six yeah. decades worth of stories plus all the offshoots plus all the tie-ins and guess, plus and all guess, the times the characters appear? You, just, you don't have the time. And guess what? And guess what? And guess what? With Crisis and with Flashpoint and with the New Fifty Two, it doesn't matter. Because these characters have been rebooted and changed and all this stuff. So all you need to know is if you can get the essence of the character. Green Lantern is a guy with a ring from space and that he's a kind of a space cop. That's all you need to know. Go with it. Flash is a dude that runs fast. X-Men are mutants, a, t- a team of mutants that are v- various powers and the world hates and fears them. As long as you get Hellblazer is a book that doesn't matter anymore. As long as you get, <laughs> as long as you get that, what? as long as you get that essence of the, ca- of the book and the character, go enjoy the stories the writers are telling and the artists well, listen. are drawing. For years, I've been saying Hellblazer has been really good for a long time, and and people who read it have have said that. But I keep hearing from people over and over again that I yeah I've been meaning to go back, but I just didn't know where to start. And the whole time I was like, you could just start anywhere, and and I absolutely meant it. Like you could just start anywhere. It's it's a really I, simple I, concept. I, I estimated that because you you let me some of your trades, yeah. just random ones, and I read them. You don't have, Hellblazer wasn't told linearly like and these the other, the other books aren't even told like that. You could They're not you could jump anywhere. And the thing is. The this is the fun part of the conversation. The, the the bad part is that mentality is killing these books. Yep, I think so. And that's Hel- that's kind of yeah, that's kind of the Hel- point. Hellblazer. You know, when when we posted about the Hellblazer story on iFanboy, half the comments were, "Oh, I, I've always wanted to read it, but I never knew where to start." And but I know I've said a billion times, it doesn't matter. Just start. But they, people gosh, can't get no past that. One listens to what we say. I know. I know. Um, Here's the thing. And uh, that's killing. It's killing these books, though. The, the, you know, and, and the other thing I sales, not because Dan yeah. Zio is evil, it's because they weren't exactly. making any money off it, and and that's utterly justifiable. And they're trying to not kill the character; they're trying to get something out of the thing you that they own. Buy, I bet you, in at least three I, times yeah. out yeah. this new book than they were the old book because it's got our number one on it. But I still think it, it'll get it'll get shit canned after a year or two. Yeah, yeah I, I I I truly so, think that's going to happen. That's happen. I mean, the thing is, for me, it's not the same. Because you know they've taken out it was an adult it was a mature book so like a huge part of it for me is the the language of the book which had lots of swearing and lots of uh, you know sort of very out there themes and stuff like that none of that stuff's going to be in the new one it's it's a it's a different character they Amer- Americans and Canadians have been writing it yeah yeah, yeah. you know but they, the, the British influence on that book is huge. Well, you know, and it's just uh, it's just a different, and you know what, three hundred issues is is a long time, but it's been so good lately. There was a, you know, there was a, there was a, a lot they could have done still. So, what's the longest running series now after the Spawn? <laughs> Spawn, Savage Dragon, Spawn and Savage Dragon. I think Spawn uh, is over Savage Dragon. It's, uh, it's Fables it's from the Big Two. 
Right, no, but in all comics, that's what we said. Yeah. I mean, now once Uncanny, sh- once Fantastic Four shut down, then Uncanny shut down. The longest ongoing series was Hellblazer, and oh, and now it's going to be, um, and now it's either Spawn or Staff or Dragon. Yeah, yeah. So which look which, at that uh, doesn't go back. I, you know, I uh, I felt everyone's pain for the first time because I understand completely why the decision was made, and I've been looking at the numbers for years, wondering why it hadn't happened sooner. It was selling under 10,000 yeah, units, at least not, according to the estimates, for and, the last three years. And that's not enough for a book that is, that is uh, paid up front, basically, that has an editorial staff. You, you, know, you pay the writer and the, and, the, and the artist and all the people working on it livable page rates, and it just wasn't, wasn't bringing the money back. And that, you know, it already had its feature film made, sort of. Yeah. So you know, there wasn't a benefit to keeping it around in the form that it was. I think this is a pretty awful bellwether for where you know, the diversity – from Marvel and DC titles are, is going to keep shrinking. You'll yeah. be able to get that diversity elsewhere, but it's not going to be editorial, editorially supported. It's going to be it won't paid be for. your favorite characters. It'll be an image or other places. And but. it's going to be creators who are paying to build to make the book themselves. Basically, yep. it's not the same thing. But you know, if, I mean, this is the this is the downside. If you if you have some sort of crippling fear of reading anything from not from issue one, then then don't be surprised these books start going away. Yep. And that, you know another thing that that hurt Hellblazer in the same thing uh, is uh, the trades were horribly. Did you know that they're re-releasing them? Yeah, I do. But for the longest, on they've got the first six volumes. The sixth volume being the first Garth Ennis volume. The first yeah. five being Jim Delano, or the first four, yeah. and the fifth being Garth Ennis. I think it is. Yeah. And they're re- they're re-releasing them and numbering them with numbers in the spine. So well, if you they're doing that now, but they, you know for for twenty years plus they they weren't. They were just sort of they had a title on them. And you had to figure it out. Even the Garth Ennis ones, which were a story, you know. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, so if you have any other questions, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com. Uh, we skipped the voicemails because we did the book of the month, so you can call in at 188-FANBOYS. It's 188-326-2697 if you have any other questions. Um, additionally, we've got another podcast called iFanboy Don't Miss. Uh, this Monday, I'm talking to writer Joe Harris about Great Pacific Number 1, which is a new series, an ongoing series launching from Image Comics on Wednesday um, with a really interesting kind of sci-fi adventure kind of bent to it. So you can go to iFanboy.com on Monday to listen to that podcast, or you can subscribe to it in iTunes. You can also listen to the Make Comics podcast, uh, which uh, comes out every week, mostly. The storm threw us off for one week, but we're, uh, we're good right now. Uh, where we talk about some aspect of uh, making comics, uh, whether, whether it's in the writing or the artwork or getting into the business or whatever, uh, with Andy Schmidt of Comics Experience, former Marvel and IDW editor with a, a wealth of experience. Uh, and it's a little, just a little short something. Uh, about the process of making comics um, no more than 10-20 minutes and uh, you can check that out at ifanboy.com obviously what else is yes, at ifanboy.com ifanboy. ifanboy. is the place where you can go to read Josh's pick of the week review of Deadpool number one my book of the month review of uh, A Wrinkle in Time as well as all the other great uh, posts and articles that go up throughout the week um, great place for comics discussion and a lot of fun a good place to be um, follow us on twitter.com slash ifanboy or on facebook on facebook.com slash ifanboy and we've been releasing videos uh, at, a, at, a, at a quick pace uh, coming out of New York Comic Con this week you saw uh, a, a, probably the longest and greatest interview with Jason Aaron ever um, yeah, as well as uh, Jeff Lemire, Jamal Igel. We talked to Lee Zoltoff, the, the creator of MacGyver um, it's been a lot of fun so go to youtube.com slash ifanboy or you can find that all at ifanboy.com and you can, as we said earlier, email us at contact at ifanboy.com or call our voicemail line at 888-FANBOYS-3262697 and you can get on the show or uh, give us some good discussion topics. Don't, don't complain about not buying books. Yeah. <laughs> if you dig us, write a review in iTunes because that, we, we want to have a lot. 
I didn't Basically, check the at this number. point, it's just... You get a weekly reprieve from being yelled at. I didn't yeah. check the number before the, wish the show. For, the push to 1,000. We'll find out next yeah. week. So. I mean, I, mean I, I want it to be a ridiculous number. Better yet, tell your friends. You are the street team. You are the marketing device. You are the ones who uh, let word get around. So post links and, and tell stuff about uh, tell people about stuff that you like on iFanboy. Uh, we really appreciate that. Um, spread the word. Thank you. All right. So uh, that's it for this week. Uh, first week of Marvel Now in the books as we start easing into the end of the year. Um, until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. I'm sorry. This is really bugging me. <laughs> Where's your Messiah now? Oh. <laughs> One of us. One of us. One of us. Nerd over here.